0: Hey, morena, buenos dias. Um, and kia ora to the podcast people. How you doing, podcast people? Good on you for I don't know investing in your relationship with Jesus by tuning in. And kia ora to the video people. Awesome to have you plugging in. So, podcast and video people, the topic I'm going to talk about. You're not allowed to feel guilty that you're not here because it's real easy that you could be like, no. So this is the least judgy church I've ever seen in my life. And so there's no way I'm preaching a judgy message. So if you feel like I'm judging you, then you're out to lunch because I'm totally not. So awesome to have you with us. Alrighty. Hey, um, so we're in the middle of a random series. If you've been like, if you're like a serious person, you will have been losing your mind over the last few weeks. So most churches, once or twice a year, they have people within the church that have got something that God's laid on their heart and they want to preach it. And I started trying to fit, so we had Phil, and then we had Eli, um, Great Messages, and then I'm preaching, and then next Sunday's um, Graham preaching. And I was trying to fit everyone into like this little series, and then I, I didn't hear God, but I really felt like God was like going, why? What are you doing? <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, cool. Everyone just preach on what's on your heart, so that's what happens. So. Phil preached on the book of Jeremiah, awesome. Um, Eli preached on the humanity of Christ and emotions and stuff. And today I'm preaching on a topic of secrecy until I reveal it. So I put a bit of a misleading, controversial note in the newsletter, if you notice it, and I had different people texting me going, I think I know what you're doing or what are you preaching on? And I was like, I'm not going to tell you. So Anyway, I'm super passionate about this topic. So I'm a big church nerd, right? Anyone else a church nerd? You just love church. Like I'm just a bit even on vacation. So I'm pretty old, so I've been on a lot of vacations, holidays over my years. And no disrespect to Josephine, because it sounds like I'm getting mean to Jo, my wife. Um, heaps of times on vacation, even on a Sunday, I'm like, man, I've just got to find a church, which sometimes means you go to the weirdest churches, because you have no idea, and you're just rocking, and they're all very strange people, um, unlike our church, we were all awesome. Um, I just love church, eh? I really do, and it's really weird being a pastor, because I'm on the clock right now, so I'm paid to be here, which is a real weird, it messes with your head. And so, as you guys know, for a whole bunch of years before I came here, I ran a Bible college, and before that, I'd been pastoring, and it was really cool. The first Sunday, I woke up running a Bible college, not pastoring a church, because I went to church because I wanted to. Does that make sense? Not because I was on the clock. It was kind of cool. I don't know, for me. That's really good. So I, I really love um, church. All right. I want to talk about water. You can see some boiling water here. So um, water is pretty amazing. To be honest, right um, the, the different uses we have of water is just phenomenal, right so we drink it, um, we swim in it, we flush with it, <laughs> um, we cook with it, we play in it, we just do so much stuff with water and um, the water water is, is very weird where you can play in the sea and you're totally fine, but then water in a massive storm can gouge out an entire valley just overnight right I have watched some videos research of watching some videos on YouTube of the power of water literally making these massive canyons in just the number of hours as it just plowed through, right? So is super powerful. Um, a lot of people, their favorite, some of their favourite memories are to do with water. So some of their favourite memories are like, oh, my gosh, when we went to the lake that one day and the sun and the... Uh, you know what I mean? Are you with me? Yeah. Okay, thanks. Um, some people, it's the beach. They're like, oh, my gosh. When I go to the beach, yeah, shot, Cheryl, and the waves and the evil sea, you know, they're like, oh, beach. So it's just water is part of who we are, right? Did you know that most of you, except for old people, you are 60% water? Isn't that really weird? As you get older, it decreases to 45%, which I thought, I thought two things. One, that's a weird thing. Who figured that out? I'm like, that's just what do you do for a job? I figure out how much water is in people. I was like, whatever. Um, But you older people, you're only 45% water, so... I don't know what the other percentages become, but I won't go there. Um, But what I want to talk about is boiling water, right, Um, boiling water. So water's cool by itself, water's good, Um, but when water boils, something just really amazing happens. Now this is way above my pay grade, um, but I did a lot of Googling and so this was my understanding. So um, water boils at, at 100 degrees. But around the world they have um, boiling water generators, so generators that the turbine spins because of the steam created by boiling water. And they boil that water to 280 degrees Celsius, which kind of blew my mind. And the biggest generators in the world from this boiling water generate 1,500 megawatts an hour. So if you're like me, I was like, I got nothing. I have no idea what does that mean, 1,500 megawatts, I was like, I got nothing. So I did a bunch of Googling, read a whole bunch of scientific articles, and went, nah, I got nothing. I have no idea what they say. So I compared it with the Karapiro Hydro Dam. So who knows the Karapiro Hydro Dam? Been out there, hands? Come on, we're a team, hands. All right, shot. Man, you guys. So out there they have three turbines, and each of the turbines, because it's a pretty decent dam, yeah? you with me? Like, if you've ever seen it when it's open, which is not good, because that means the water's not going through the, the turbines, there's some power in that water. So remember, the biggest boiling water generator is 1,500 megawatts an hour. The Karapiro Dam, each of its three turbines, only 32 megawatts an hour. So I was like, oh my gosh. (laughs) So I thought that was pretty amazing. So this is kind of what I'm talking on, kind of. Um, Something powerful happens when water reaches boiling point. Like water by itself is cool, but when it boils, man, it's like, this thing is powerful, right? This is incredible. Um, And this is what I'm going to talk about this morning. Something powerful happens when God's people gather Together, together, right? <laughs> um, we're amazing by ourselves. We're indwelt by the Spirit. We're empowered by Almighty God. Um, we can do a lot of stuff by ourselves. But when we come together as the church, now I know there's a global church that I'm talking local church. When we come together as a local church, a whole bunch of stuff happens that just cannot happen when we're individuals. Are you with me? Eh? Um you can worship God by yourself, and, and heaps of people do, and you have amazing times of worship. But for a lot of people. Man, when they come to church, there's just something special about corporate worship and singing out to God, and you see someone else just really worshipping, and it, it It impacts you, right? <laughs> um, you can kind of serve God by yourself, you can, but man, when you come to church, and you serve God and the gifting that He's given you, and you, there's times when you're doing it, and you just know the Holy Spirit is empowering you. You know what I mean, eh? And you're like, man, this is cool, right? Now, you can kind of do that by yourself, depending on your gift, but a lot of the gifts, they have to be done in a corporate setting. You have to do it in church. Um, a lot of people, when you talk to them, um, a lot of people become Christians, right, move into that relationship with God in all sorts of different situations, but a lot of people, was that a, a corporate event, a church event was that time where they really felt God calling them and, and moving them and changing them. So the thing I'm talking about Um, This morning is this whole idea of of church being just super, super important. So this is a little bit rude, but this is my topic. Get to church, right? (laughs) Get to church. So in a nice way, turn to someone beside you and say, you can say it nasty, get to church. So can you turn to someone and say, get to church? I'm good? All right. So now this is a weird sermon because y'all are here. So you're all the winners. (laughs) So that's why I started by saying to the podcast and the video people, there's heaps of them, right? So don't feel bad, because you might be sick, you might be, I don't know, pregnant, you might have won Lotto and you're in Hawaii, I don't know. All right, let me tell you this story. I don't think this is a true story, but I thought this was kind of cool. And you guys know this illustration backwards and forwards, but I thought this was a cool way of of hearing it. So, So we're thinking about the importance of church. The story is told of a man who had gone to church for several years, but suddenly stopped attending. His pastor dropped by one evening unannounced. The man answered the door and invited him in. Of course, he knew why the pastor was there. They went and sat in two chairs in front of a roaring fire. Neither man said anything. After a few minutes, the pastor picked up the fire tongs, took one of the logs out of the fire, and laid it on the hearth. The flames died down and flickered a few times before going out, and they watched in silence as the logs started to grow cold. After a while, the pastor once again picked up the fire tongs and put the smoldering log back with the other burning logs. It immediately burst back into flame. The pastor got up and said, well, I need to go now, but I've enjoyed our visit. The man rose too and said, I appreciate your message, pastor. I'll be in church on Sunday. (laughs) I love that, eh? It's a real old illustration, but it's so true, right? It is so true. we can we can do Christianity by ourselves, and sometimes it's easier, because church is filled with interesting people. Um, but something special happens when we gather together, right? Something special happens when we gather together, so that's what I'm talking about, right? Um, the importance of church. Um, to be, and I don't want this to be a rude, horrible sermon at all, because I know life is hard and chaotic, and we have weddings and stuff happening and work and, blah and all that, so I'm not trying to be crazy, but there is this really clear message that we're going to look at in the Old Testament and New Testament that just calls us together. <laughs> as often as we can, we've just got to get together, right? We can do, we can do Christianity by ourselves, but it's never going to be as, as powerful. It's never going to be as life-changing. It's never going to be as healing as it is when we, when we get together, right? That's kind of where I'm going. Um, in the Old Testament, it's just assumed. It's said so many times that the people will gather initially at the temple and then later on in in synagogues. But at the temple, there's just this really clear message again and again and again in the Old Testament that the people have got to get to the temple. That's where they would worship, where they'd be teaching, where they would learn. It was just just everywhere, right? Uh, In the New Testament, I was looking at verses. There's honestly so many verses that talk about the importance of just gathering as a church. It's just crazy. Um, And the funny thing is a lot of the verses just assume you're going to church. And again, not to be rude to anyone, um, it would be, it's almost like if you read the New Testament and you don't go to church, you'd have to skip a whole bunch of verses because <laughs> it's just constantly talking about when you meet together, when you gather, when, 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 when. Um, it's just kind of everywhere, right? Um, so we're the church, and when we gather together, something really cool happens. Um, now, this is the little controversial bit, so I want to say this really, really carefully. I'm a big life group person. Right? So Joseph and I run the Young Adults Life Group, which is awesome and hilarious, because young adults end up discussing hilarious topics that you're sitting there going, How the heck am I going to bring this back to Jesus? Where did we go in this rabbit hole? But it's awesome. So we're big life group people, right? Um But life groups are not church. And in the New Testament there's this really clear message that we've got to gather together corporately, right? So life groups are often where life really happens. It really does. That's why now our church we call them life groups, not home groups or cell groups or whatever. They're life groups, right? Um, often true discipleship happens in life groups more than in church because you're wrestling with issues and discussing and stuff, but at the same time, there's a whole bunch of stuff that just doesn't fit with the New Testament definition of church if all you're doing is going to a life group. Does that make sense? You're with me, eh? So I'm not dissing life groups. What I'm dissing is you saying, well, not you, because you're all amazing, someone, <laughs> fictitious, saying, I don't need church, I go to a life group. And I'm like, I just don't see that in the Bible, right? And again, seasons, life's hard, I'm not trying to be horrible. Um, so here's, there's a ton of reasons why I think this, but here's just, just three ones that I chucked up real quick. Um, so like tends to attract like, is the first one. Um, I don't think I'll read these verses, though; they're pretty full on, but what Paul's talking about in there is that God has called him to call Jews and Gentiles together into this new mysterious thing that no one understood in the Old Testament called the church. And he makes it really clear. And one of the things he's saying is the diversity within the church is just crazy. When you think in his time, having Jews and Gentiles worshiping and connecting with God together is like, what on earth? Um, One of the dangers in a life group is it's a group of friends and you become like each other. You agree with the same things. You like the people that you go to life group with. If you didn't, you'd go to a different life group. (laughs) Now, the cool thing with church is we are super diverse. (laughs) And I've heard heaps, I've been here three and a half years now, whatever. I've heard in that time a bunch of people say to me, Oh my gosh, when I come into church, so and so drives me insane. So I'll go to them, and I'll go, hey, how are you doing? It's great to see you. What's happening? And then I sit on the other side of church. <laughs> and I've heard that a bunch of times from people. But that's church, right? It's this diversity, and, and you're rubbing shoulders with people that drive you crazy, and they have different theologies and different practices. and it's got, It makes sense, eh? It's a good thing about church as opposed to life groups. And again, life groups are awesome. Um, the second one is the, the diversity of spiritual gifts and service. Um, and, and I want to be careful on this one. So 1 Corinthians 12 is a massive chapter that just keeps talking about spiritual gifts, spiritual gifts, and the diversity of gifts and everything. And one of my big things about um, the importance of church is it is the one place where all those spiritual gifts can be used. There's a whole bunch of those spiritual gifts that Paul lists in First Corinthians 12 that you just cannot use in a life group. You just can't, because it's this small group of people. And so someone who says... I don't go to church. My life group is my church. I'd say, one, like tends to attract like. Two, I'd say, explain to me how all the spiritual gifts that Paul explains in 1 Corinthians 12 and in Peter and you know, those different chapters, and you can't. <laughs> they just can't use them. So, what I'm, what I'm meaning is obviously the New Testament is saying there's something other than just life group. There's this cool thing and this wild thing called the church where we use our spiritual gifts. You with me, eh? Shot team. And then the last, I had a whole list, and I was like, oh, I'm not going to get carried away. Corporate worship, you can worship um, in a life group, but there's something amazing about corporate worship when we're all singing and worshiping God. I love that. Um, communion, again, heaps of life groups will take communion, but we, like here at church, we used to do it every other Sunday. We debate this all the time. We don't want to do it every Sunday, so it's just like, eh, communion, all right, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know? We want to kind of break it up and introduce it in different ways. Um, and church leadership is a massive one. So one of my really good friends Uh, Leads a really cool um, life group, but it's not associated with any church, and one of their biggest problems is whenever a theological or practical issue arises, there's no one to go to, (laughs) whereas with our life groups, and this has happened a bunch over the last few years, when a theological issue arises in the life group, they can just be like, elders, (laughs) hey elders, (laughs) we've got this issue, where do we sit, can you guys come and talk to us and discuss it? You have that that church leadership. And I don't know any life groups that have church leaders, like elders and all this kind of crazy stuff. So all good. All right. Um, Last thing on this. So uh, Joseph and I studied at a um, couple of different universities over in America, and one of them was called Moody Bible Institute, where Eli and Noel went and heaps of other cool people go. And there was this really weird season. Excuse me. There was this really weird season at Moody. There's like 2,000 students there. Um, where a whole group of students were kind of rebelling against the system and saying that Moody Bible Institute, the university, was their church, and they didn't need to go to church. And so there ended up being this massive discussion amongst the faculty and and whole chapels on the importance of church and all this kind of crazy stuff. And the the simple thing that came out was a bunch of this stuff. They were like, we're a university. We don't take communion together. We don't have elders and all this structure and da-da-da-da-da. And so then it was really funny because then they had this official chapel to literally say, we are a university. We are not a church. And for a whole bunch of us, we're like, duh. <laughs> it was really funny. And all these students are ticked off because now they've got to go to church on Sunday, which was like, Bish. so let me get this straight. You've come to a Bible college to study God to be more useful, but you don't want to go to church. I was like, I don't get it. But anyway, all right. Hey, so church. So we're all good, eh? So life groups are amazing. Life groups is where life happens and discipleship and. When people's lives are falling apart, so often it's the life group that's like, and leaps into gear and helps. But there seems to be this very clear message, Old Testament, New Testament, the importance of this, this gathering. You with me, eh? Shot team. We're such a good team. So a couple of good points. Um, Here's the first one. Jesus thinks church is a good idea. (laughs) Last time I checked, Jesus thinks church is really good. Um, Noah read these verses, but again, just for repetition, get it in our brain. I'm just going to read a couple of them again. So if you've got your Bible, jump over to Luke uh, 4. I'll just read that that last one. So Luke 4, I'll just read verse 16. Uh, When he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the Scriptures. Um... This is the only time that the word as usual or uh, as he, his, was his custom, depending on your translation, is said. But if you read through the Gospels, it's just Jesus goes to the, Sabbath, Jesus, to the Sabbath, to the synagogue, to the synagogue, to the synagogue, to the synagogue, to the synagogue. Now you could say, oh, that's because that's a natural gathering place and he wants to teach. And it's like, yeah, but at the same time, he's teaching from a boat, he's teaching on a mountainside, he's teaching in the temple, he's teaching everywhere. But there's something for Jesus that's really important about getting to the synagogue, which is their version of church, right? So a synagogue in Jesus' time, um, the synagogue evolved a lot over even just Jesus' lifetime of 30-plus years. But at the time when Jesus was doing ministry, a a normal synagogue would have a time of corporate worship where they would normally sing psalms and and hymns and stuff like that. Uh, And then there would be um, the scriptures read, which Jesus did, and then a time of teaching. So real similar to church now. And there seems to be something really important for Jesus to worship in community, to hear the Bible read, the Scriptures read, in community. You see what I'm saying, eh? And I'm like, this sounds really silly. I kept laughing every, because I, you know, go over my sermon and read over it during the week and stuff. And I was like, if it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me. Amen? It's like, if Jesus thought church was a good idea to go to, I'm like, man, sign me up, you know. Does that make sense? I thought that was funnier than you guys were saying, but anyway, I thought that was pretty cool. All right, moving on, um, and then this one's pretty huge, I think. So Jesus thinks church is a really good idea. Um, These verses in Matthew. So Noah read this this just awesomely, but let's jump over there. Eh? Um, where are we going? Matthew sixteen, and I'll just read this last um, the last bit, uh, verse eighteen. So Peter, um, Peter's done this big, um, I don't know, declaration announcement of who Jesus is. You're the Messiah, the Son of the living God, which is like, whoa, you've got it. Jesus responds. And then in verse 18, he goes, "Um, Now I say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it or not come against it, right? Um, Not to be a nerd, but a lot of people argue that he's saying, so let's pretend my lectern is Peter. A lot of people are arguing that Jesus says, whoa, great statement, Peter. You are Peter, who just made a great statement, and on you I will build my church, right? Um, but when you look in the Greek, which is what this book was written in, there's just no way you can see that because the, the masculine feminine changes, right? So Jesus says, you are Peter, you are Petros, which is his name the whole way through the Gospels, which is masculine. The, the little os <laughs> makes it masculine. And so Jesus says, you are Peter. What a great statement. That was awesome. But then he says, but on this rock, Petra, which he's talking about himself, but he's not just talking about himself, it would have to be masculine, he's talking about bigger, it's who he is, and his ministry, and his testimony, and his miracles, and his words, and his teaching. so he literally goes, and again, in the Greek, it's super clear, but in English, you're like, oh, what's happening, so he goes, you are Peter, Petros, but on this rock, on me, and my testimony, and who I am, and my miracles, I will build my church, and to me, this is one of the most. I read this verse all the time because I just go, oh my gosh, imagine if the elders were trying to build the church. Imagine if the pastors were trying. Imagine if you were trying to build the church. I mean, you guys are amazing, but it'd be chaos, right? But Jesus is the one who's building his church. And I know we're talking global, but I also think he's meaning individual, right? Um, I was praying with someone a while ago. I, when I was at the Bible college, one of my jobs was to visit churches and hang out with elderships and help them work through crazy issues and stuff. And I was helping one eldership, that was really dumb, they were sorting through a whole bunch of stuff, but one of the things they wanted to work through is an organisational structure. Does it make sense? So, you know, like, who's the head, and then comes down, and you have some staff, and it comes down, and da-da-da, you with me, eh? Yeah. And so, they'd worked a whole bunch of stuff out, and me, not trying to be a hero of the universe, walked in and said, well, hang on, who's the real head of your church? And then they got into this crazy discussion, is it the, the chair of elders, is it the lead pastor? And I was like, it's Jesus. And they were like, oh, my gosh, that's so cool. And so then on the whiteboard, they wrote Jesus, the head of the church, and then an arrow, and then had all the people coming out from under it, right? Um, as an eldership here, pastors, we just love that so much. We talk about it all the time. Jesus is the one who's building this church, and we just work here, right? We just serve here. And it's kind of like, oh, <laughs> it's cool, because it's his job to sort out the chaos and to guide and direct us, because Jesus is building the church. You anyway, know, that's a long story to say, there's verses from Luke, if it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me to get to church. <laughs> verse from Matthew, if Jesus says, I'm going to build something, I'm like, ooh, I want to be a part of that, because if you're building it's going to be amazing. Ah! Are you with me? Okay, shot to you. <laughs> um, I love this quote. So this is a quote from Josh McDowell. He's a famous author, pastor. He's a legend. I love this little quote. Um, he says, when it comes to my salvation, all I need is Jesus. After my salvation, everything is Jesus plus the church. I love that. When people preach that all you need is Jesus, they cut you an eye off from one of the greatest sources of healing, which is the body of Christ. Don't go it alone. You won't make it. <laughs> I love that. Eh? Um, I don't know how many people I've talked to over the years that have said, man, if it wasn't for the church, I don't know where I'd be. <laughs> if it wasn't for the church, I don't know, I don't know where I'd be. Um, I was going through this really hard time and Out of nowhere, someone bought me a meal. I was going through a really hard time, and out of nowhere, someone texted me and encouraged me. I was going through a real hard time. I didn't want to go into church on Sunday. (sighs) But man, when I got there and I sat, (laughs) sung in the worship or heard the scripture read, I was like, okay. You know what I mean, eh? (laughs) I love that, eh? Don't go it alone. People on the podcast, don't go it alone. Nah, I don't know. We love you podcast people. All right. Okay, so first thing, get to church, because Jesus thinks it's a really good idea. Here's the second one, get to church, because God, like, totally tells us to, like, all the time. So let's jump over to that Exodus verse, um, where we're going, Exodus 20, verse 8. This is a little bit of a tricky one, but I think when I explain it, you'll be like, oh, yep, 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 yep. Um, so Exodus twenty verse eight. So we're in the what's called the Ten Commandments, um, and this is the fourth one. Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest. And this is the key phrase: dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your house may do. So random. <laughs> All right, on that day, no one in your house may do any work. This includes you, your sons and daughters, your servants. Blah 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 blah. Right. Um, now, if this was a—so st- the key phrase, remember, seeing as I got myself completely lost then, was a day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. So if if we, this was the only verse we had talking about the Sabbath, then I'd be like, yeah, you could justify going to the lake, you could justify just being in a life group, you could whatever. But when we take this and we tie it with all the times in the Old Testament, it's talked about coming and being with, with God in a, in a corporate sense at the temple. When we take this verse and we tie it with all the—so many times in the New Testament— about the importance of being the church, of getting together as a, a church, I just have to go. Man, one of the core things we do on a Sabbath is go to church, right? That's one of the core things we do that shows and that, that heals our soul, showing us we're dedicated to God. It makes sense, eh? So to me, it would be, and again, I say this carefully, and again, I know there's seasons and hardships. So I'm not like, you need to be here every Sunday. We're going to take a roll, that's a funny side story. I was in a church once, and this guy came up to me, and he was one of the elders, and he was like, he was very proud of this. He said, just you know, I am the elder in charge of taking the role on Sunday mornings. This is not that long ago. And I was like, say, so what? And he said, oh, I have a list, and he showed me his book. And in his very large book, he had the names of everyone in the church written and it had all these columns. And every Sunday, he would stand at the back of the church and tick who was there and who wasn't. And I said, one, I wanted to be like, are you serious? <laughs> but I didn't. I said, oh, and what do you do with that? And he was like, nothing. It's a record. And I was like, what a complete waste of time. But I didn't say that because he was very excited. Anyway, you know what I'm saying, right? I don't know how you could say I'm having a Sabbath but not have part of that getting to church because it's just so huge. I don't know. All right. Um, let's do that That Hebrews one, A. So jump over to Hebrews 10. This is pretty forceful. This is a pretty forceful one, so we don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews. There's heaps of theories and ideas, but we really don't know. Um, but this is a pretty full-on reference to get to church. Where are we going? 23 to 25. So he, what well, he, she, I don't know. Whoever wrote this says, Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Mm-mm-mm, I love that. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good service. That is such a cool verse, eh? Every time I read that, I'm like, I just love it because we're all meant to be sitting at home scheming. Hmm, how am I going to promote Wendy to acts of love and good service? How am I going to, you know what I mean? It's such a cool, I'm getting all emotional because I think it's so cool. Anyway, verse 25, and this is the one, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Mm, I love that, eh? Um, Here's a little quote from a commentator who was commenting on this verse, and I I thought what he writes is quite full on, so this is what he wrote. Um, Some had evidently been neglecting to meet with their Christian brethren, and this is seen as a serious weakness. (laughs) And I thought that was a really good point, eh? A serious weakness. It's like the planet is turning to custard real fast, (laughs) We don't want to be weak people. We want to be people who are empowered and strengthened and know God is in us. And you know what I mean, eh? And it's like, I just hear the author going, Get to church. It's not rocket science. Ah! Are you with me? Okay, turn to someone beside you while I punch this fly and say, Get to church in a nice way. Is that right? In a nice way. All right. Okay, so God tells us to. Jesus thinks it's a good idea. God tells us to. I had a whole pile of other verses, but I was like, we'll be here all day if I keep going. So there's honestly so many verses. It's just crazy. Um, So here's this. God's people together are powerful. Jesus did it. God says to do it. So we just need to get to church, not rocket science. Um, Life groups are cool. But (laughs) I see some questions, so we'll just take a minute to discuss these. I'll read them, and then you can... um, grab a friend. So what are some of the things you love about coming together as the church? Are we Agorians? I really need a phrase. Like, we used to be CBCers, and that was good, but Agorians just sounds really weird. I don't know. Anyway, so what, what are some of the things you love about coming together as the church? Um, why do you think Jesus and God make church such a priority? And then the last one, something amazing happens when water boils and when Christians gather. Why? So not the water bit, obviously, but that was my illustration. So why does something amazing happen when Christians get together? Why is that? So what we do if you're a visitor, we're just are going to discuss for a couple of minutes. Um, but the deal is, if God's really speaking to you, just stare at the screen and no one will bug you. Um, but if you're not staring at the screen, then people around you will gather you, gather you, will turn to you, I don't know, and chat. So maybe just choose one question and go crazy. So we'll, yeah, talk for a couple of minutes. Cheers. Alrighty. What are some thoughts from you any of the questions? What do you think? Any wise answers? Yeah, Louise? I think um, for me, it's about encouragement at the same time. Yep. Yeah, that's cool, eh? Yeah, that's cool. That encouragement, eh? Yeah, I hear that so often from people that were like, "Ah, oh, I wasn't sure whether I was going to come today, but man, I'm so glad I came to church today. It's cool. And to come with that attitude of like, ooh, ooh, who am I going to encourage? Who am I going to lift up? Who needs me to pray for them? Whether I go and pray for them... Or whether I just quietly in my seat pray for them. It's huge. Shot, Louise. Anyone else? Yeah, Terry. Uh, for me it's something about the actual... Yeah, that's cool. Terry's saying it's not just being here. It's the journey of investing that time and not sleeping in or <laughs> not watching Netflix and coming to church and making that. Yeah, that's cool. That's why I said it at the beginning, you know, good job to the video and podcast people. Something happened today. They couldn't be here. But they've invested that time during their weeks. So it's like shot podcast people shot video, people? Anyone else? Yeah, that's cool. Grant's saying, not his, but other people. Nah, he's saying our, our sinful nature can be quick to take over, and there's an importance about regularly gathering with other Christians and getting our eyes back on Jesus, you know? I think that's a cool one. Yeah, what were you going to say, Cheryl? Yeah, that's cool. So Cheryl's saying the importance of community, right? Yeah, so good. Yeah. Yeah, I was reading a um, Obviously, when I write a sermon, I read a whole bunch of stuff, and I was reading an article where a guy who wasn't a Christian but was an avid tennis player, and he was hard out into his tennis club and fundraising and meetings and like-minded talks and blah, 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 blah. And then he got saved, and he said for a while, he was like, oh, am I just coming to another version of the tennis club (laughs) now called the church? But he said as he got involved, he was like, oh, my gosh, this is completely different because this whole thing doesn't exist for the members, right? It exists. Yeah, it was, I thought it was such an interesting comment. All right. Hey, let me finish. Um, yeah, I'm going to read these last verses. Sorry, I was just like, ah, uh, should I finish? But these verses to me are just beautiful and, and summarise the um, the church so well. So if you got your Bible, jump over to John um, 13. So this is right towards the end of... Um, Jesus' life, the night before he's going to be, um, well, right before he's going to be arrested and, and die and all that. So verse 34, he says, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. So it's really important, right? This is a new commandment. He's putting this on a very high level. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. Um, we can do that, uh, <laughs> kind of, solo, <laughs> but not really, <laughs> We can do that kind of in a life group, but there's something much bigger about loving people that you're not regularly rubbing shoulders with and loving people that drive you crazy and loving people that totally disagree with you on some big... You know what I mean? There's that loving. Um, I think I've told you this before, but um, Josephine had real bad depression for a bunch of years and we had our first couple of kids like off the charts, hospital, drugs, the whole nine yards, real bad. And um, the mental health worker came to visit us and when she did an assessment with Joe, she was like, oh my gosh, she is very sick, <laughs> and I still remember this so clearly, she took me out to outside, so Josephine couldn't hear, and she said, hey, we just need you to let us know when you're going to leave, and I went, I don't know what you mean, she said, 95, when it's this bad, the depression is this bad, 95% of husbands will leave their wife, because she said, this is going to go on for years, and I was like, oh my gosh, so she said, we need to have support ready to go, for Josephine, because when you leave, her world's going to fall apart, and if she's bad now, it's real scary, and I said, I'm totally not planning on leaving, and she laughed and goes, yeah, 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 you guys always say that, but you always leave, (laughs) so she gave me her business card, and she said, we don't want minutes, we need at least an hour, so we can get the cat team together, and support services, and the kids, and blah, 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 and I said, I said, I am not, I was uh, quite emotional, I said, I'm not going anywhere, and she was like, yeah, yeah, sure, cool, make sure you give us an hour, and I was like, oh my gosh, anyway. That was easy to say, standing on my back doorstep. But things got dark. I mean, things got really hard. And our church, like I've told you, just leaped into gear like a bunch of crazy people. I mean, people would come around doing the lawns. I don't even know half the time who did the lawns. I'd get home from work and be like, oh, lawns are mowing. A lady would come around almost every day, just clean a bit, gather up all the laundry, go and wash it. I'd come home from work. It's all folded, <laughs> sitting in the kitchen. People came and did our gardens. And we had meals for... Two or three years, four nights a week. Often we didn't even know because Josh was so sick she couldn't, couldn't open the door. Oh, I'm getting all emotional. She couldn't open the door, so people knew, don't knock, just put the thing down, tell Craig. <laughs> and heaps of times we had no idea who dropped off this amazing meal for a couple of years. Um, so to be blunt, that lady was totally right. <laughs> if it hadn't been for the church, I really don't know if we would have survived, but the church just be the church. <laughs> they loved one another. Christ loves us in a sacrificial way, right? Amazing. Man, let's all stand up and let me pray for us, eh? Um, I just want to say again, um, is Kelly, is the video and the podcast still recording? Yeah, okay. So video and podcast, people, I just want to say again, this is not a judgy, oh my gosh, you're not here, anything like that, anyone in this room, if you're only making it occasionally, this is not a judgy sermon. I just wanted to really remind you, this Something awesome happens, and we get together, and we, we need to be here, right? I love that quote I had before that. Um, yeah, don't go it alone. You, you just may not make it. Um, I love this final quote <laughs> that you're standing. Um, On the most elementary level, you do not have to go to church to be a Christian. You do not have to go home to be married either, but in both cases, if you do not, you have a very poor relationship. <laughs> it's cool, eh? It's cool. How hey, you pray for us? Yeah, kia ora atua. Thanks for this whole idea of church, eh? Man, Jesus, we're so glad that if we in this church, Agora, did an organisational structure, you would very clearly be at the top. You are the head of this church, and um, we love this church. Eh? We love these people. Um, we're trying to do our best to love them. Ooh. Yeah, Jesus, we're, we're trying to do our best to love each other as you loved us in such a sacrificial way. Man. But you know, it's really hard, eh? And life is busy and chaos and kids and family and sickness and work and all this stuff is just so hard. But we, we really do agree, eh? Um, something special, something amazing, something deep and powerful happens when we gather together as your church, eh? Here at Agora. Yeah. Yeah, I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.